My message is a special dedication to all of you who are going to be commissioned today. And a special dedication to all those of you who want to rise to the level of leading. Whatever level you lead at, wherever you will lead, somehow I believe that there's a lot more leaders than we are aware of. Ephesians 2.10 says, we are God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Every one of us, you are a special creation of God with incredible gifts, potential, amazing abilities. With God, your maker, whose desire and will is for you to rise to the highest of your potentials that you can ever rise to. Each one of us is God's handiwork. We are the work of his hands. And when he created us in Christ, he was creating us to do good works. You were created to be effective, to be powerful. You were created to have impact. You were created to be a man, a woman of purpose. Somebody taken up with a sense of destiny. Your life was meant to count for something. And every one of us, when God made us, he took his time. We may not be used by God, all of us, to the same level. But whatever your level, whatever your assignment, it's unique to you. And it's unique to your calling. And the text tells us that these good works, they were prepared in advance for us. Even before you were conceived, God already knew about you. And he already knew what he wants to use you in and where he wants to use you. Even before you were conceived, there was already a path set out for you. An assignment with your name on it. Unique to you, unique to your giftings, unique to your personality. And God already has declared that I've prepared for you to do these good works. In other words, God has already pronounced you a success even before you begin. Fully knowing that on this journey, you will meet many obstacles, many challenges, Many tri tribulations, many trials. God says in his wisdom and in, in his foreknowledge, I've already put inside of them all that they will need for the journey. Because when any inventor invents a product, and I know we're not a product, but the inventor invents a product to fulfill a specific mandate, and he equips that product with specific abilities for it to be able to do what it should do 
and survive whatever rough territories that product will experience. In the same way when God created us, he created us with all that is necessary to navigate the rough seas that we will go through in our lives. And this is why God uses people who don't even have natural ability. Some people who are looked at and people feel you can't speak, you are too shy, you don't have education, you're not bold enough, you're not tall enough, you're not short enough, you are not this. When people look at our background say you're too poor, you are too uneducated, you are too whatever, God looks at that and says that doesn't matter. What matters is that I'm the one who has chosen these people and I will make sure I will take this person undeveloped as they are. Like taking raw material and I will mold them into a prized item. I'll shape them and mold them and I'll use them so that even when people look at them, people will wonder and say, how come? Why you? And all they can do is to say, if it was not for God, you wouldn't be what you are. That's a good place to give God a good hand. And for those that God chooses, he prepares them, he empowers them. God doesn't exclusively call people into leadership. It's not an exclusive role. God doesn't necessarily look at people who have a natural drive, good training. As necessary as that is, as important as that is. God doesn't even look for people who had good models of leadership in their background. They don't have to come from a good home. In fact, they themselves, they should not, there was no need for them to have been perfect people. They may be broken people. There may be people who come out of a lifestyle of sin and brokenness. There may be a people who doubt themselves, who feel like they are nobodies. God doesn't need to use people necessarily who are known, who are popular, who are with the who's who's, who are the breaking news, who are on television. God's not looking for those. God is looking for somebody. Who will say, here am I, God. Use me. In First Corinthians 1.26, it says in the NIVs, brothers, think, it, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Think about the disciples who went on to be the founding fathers of the present church. The leaders of the now church. These were ordinary fishermen. These were tax collectors by trade. They were not people with high education, with influence. These were not people from influential families. Some of them had strong, driven personalities. 
But others were shy people. Some of them had lots of issues. They fought. They were competitive. They asked the wrong questions. They didn't stand up for what's right sometimes. They disappointed Christ when he needed them the most. But still he chose them. <laughs> and what God is trying to tell us is let us not limit God. I'm not saying we shouldn't live right, we must. It's critical. If we're going to work for God, we've got to live right. But there are other things that are a difficulty for us. Sometimes we don't have money. Sometimes we don't know how to put two sentences together. Paul was a man like that, that God used. And when God speaks to him in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he says to him, why is it Paul? My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. That being true, what I want to show you today is that because of that, God takes us as raw material and he works on us to prepare us for leadership. God prepares those that he calls. And this is one of the biggest missing elements that I see today. Particularly in churches like ours, the so-called charismatic churches. People are quick to want to lead, quick to want to stand on the stage, quick to want to preach and prophesy when they are an unfinished product. I didn't say perfect. I said unfinished. None of us will be perfect. But we can never fast track God's training process. There are certain things in God's process we cannot skip. We shouldn't skip. Because if we skip those things, we're going to have problems when we lead. The disciples of Jesus, they spent three years with Jesus. Day and night, think about it. No other Bible school could ever equal that. Day and night. And these were the early leaders of the church. But even still, after all the three-year training, they still had issues of being competitive, comparing themselves, asking the wrong questions, deserting him. Even before he would, they would go on their own, Jesus said to them, hey, before let's amaya, wait for the promise of the Father. Wait for the Holy Spirit to empower you for the journey. And God used their experiences like he did with Peter, who had denied Christ. And after Jesus rose from the dead, he came to Peter and he made Peter confront that moment where he deserted Christ. And instead of Jesus condemning him, he uses that as a teachable moment. And so God will use life experiences to mold leaders, to shape leaders. If you will allow your mistakes and your seasons to make you forget that God wants to use you, you're going to be in trouble. But you've got to address your mistake. You've got to deal with your mistake. God uses life experiences to also develop perspectives and passions that are essential to develop the capacity for leadership to those that he calls. Because if God doesn't allow us to go through the rough patches in life, we will become leaders that have no compassion over people we lead. We will become big-headed leaders who think that they are celebrities, who have forgotten that they are servants of God. 
And therefore, we must be careful not to short-circuit God's time of preparation due to our impatience. There are those who are impatient. They want to live anyhow. Do whatever they like. Go wherever they want. Embrace whatever they want and force God into a corner to use them anyhow. But God doesn't work that way. God takes time to cook us. And he doesn't use a microwave oven. God uses a steam cooker. Takes a long time. And when God takes you out of there, his ways and his timing are the best. But God will always prepare those that he calls. But he'll also equip them. He will use the way he designed people. Your spiritual gifts, your talents, your ability, your experiences even, to steer you into what type of leader you should be. Let me talk about that preparation principle. Every leader whom God uses in any capacity must first be prepared to function in that capacity. If you're going to be used as a prophet, God must prepare you for that. As an apostle, God must prepare you for that. As a pastor, God must prepare you for that. In Matthew 4, verse 18, it reads in the New King James Version, and Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee saw two brothers. Simon called Peter, Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, watch, follow me. Follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. Follow me, and I will make you. Follow me, and I will make you. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. The Bible says, they immediately left their nets and followed him. One translation reads, one day Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, so two brothers, Simon, also Peter, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them and said, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. The expression follow me, one commentary says, Jesus is intimating, come after me. He's intimating, receive my doctrine. Imitate me in my conduct. Imitate me in every respect. Be my disciple. It's strange and it's interesting. Jesus told his disciples to go out into all the world and make disciples. It is in the making of disciples that true training comes for God's kingdom. Many don't realize that if you are going to be able to be made and shaped by God, God will assign you to a ministry, to a church, to a leader who's going to work in the job of training you. And as you stay under leadership, you need to watch how they live, how they live their lives. As Paul says, follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Watch their conduct. Look how they pray. Look how they preach. Look at their commitment. Look at their integrity. See how they preach. Look at the way they love people. Watch how they pastor. Learn from them. Be a disciple. 
It's amazing these days. We have people who want to serve in churches, but they don't learn anything from their pastor. In these days where people are full of self, where people want to be original copies, they feel bad to follow somebody. They feel bad to say, that's my spiritual father. That's my spiritual mother. That is my pastor. That is my leader. This is what I'm learning from them. And Jesus was unashamed in telling the disciples, receive my doctrine. Imitate me in my conduct. In every respect, be my disciples. See, most of the people that God calls, you'll find that God gives them these solemn words. If you're going to be used of God, you need to have enough humility about you to follow a person that God is using. We don't say worship them. We don't say pray to them. We don't say treat them like a God. But God doesn't jump from heaven and train people. Paul was trained by Gamaliel for almost 13 years. He sat at the feet of someone else. And this is an important thing. Because the phrase that Jesus uses when he talks to these disciples who are Jewish, when he says, follow me, it's a Jewish phrase that signifies being a disciple or being a scholar. That's the Adam Clark commentary. Second commentary says, he said unto them, follow me. Rather, it's the same expression as rendered in Mark where it says, come ye after me. Wow. In Mark 8, verse 34, when he called the people to himself with his disciples, also he said, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Today we are living in times where people don't have a reference point of which church they come from. Which leader they followed. Recently, I was having a meeting with some people. I won't go into too many details. And unfortunately, in the instance of these people, things hadn't worked out well in the ministry. The person who was a senior leader did a zing-zong on the people. And had left and migrated to another country. As I sat with the people in question, talking to them, the first question I asked them was that, did you know who this pastor was? Did you know their background? I was shocked at how none of the people in the room could answer me. Not one. Because we live in times where people are following the gift and not the character. We're living in times where people love the razzmatazz, they love the noise. Why is it that in the book of Matthew chapter 1, when you read it, it can be so boring? When you read about Christ, before they tell you about him, they go all the way back into the book of Genesis. And they talk about Adam and Eve, and they beget so and so, and this one beget so and so, and they beget 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 for the whole chapter, and they beget and they beget and they beget and they beget, just to show you that even Jesus, how am you got to trace his lineage. you got to know where he comes from. You don't follow what you don't know. There's nobody in this world who was not ever a product of somebody else's leadership. Even Jesus himself. Jesus submitted under the leadership of John the Baptist. Went to the crusade of John the Baptist. 
And when John the Baptist preached and made an altar call, Jesus responded to the altar call because John the Baptist made an altar call to say, those of you who are listening to me who want to be baptized, come and be baptized. And Jesus goes to be baptized by John. John knowing that Jesus carries a bigger anointing than him, he said, no, I cannot baptize you because I am not even worthy to tie the shoes, laces of your shoes. Jesus says, I've got to be baptized by you because if I am not baptized by you God cannot release me into the fullness of who I am I gotta do this that righteousness should be fulfilled and when they did the kingdom protocols of baptizing him Jesus was not baptized by God he was baptized by a human being and when he came out of the waters of baptism the heavens opened. We have it wrong. We've gotten it wrong in our days where people don't know how to follow. And we have churches starting everywhere and you don't know where this pastor comes from. If you dig deeper, you'll find that they disrespected their pastor. They left with a group of people and divided the church because they thought they had a better anointing than their pastor. We have people today who like to be followed. They want to be an original voice. They want to be popular. They want to be number one. They want to be at the top. They don't want to serve under anybody. They don't want to follow any leader. They don't want to learn from anybody. And we have seen how it looks like the lockdown and the COVID sanitized quite a few of them. Because they had no depth, they had no foundation, they never followed protocol. We follow. In following, we go through the process of preparation. We come after, is the coming after that makes us and involves us in proper preparation. Proper preparation is the only assurance a leader has to function effectively for God. In all the history I've ever read, I don't ever remember one leader who never followed. Not one. I don't ever remember any leader who carried an original anointing. They were influenced by somebody. They got the anointing from somebody. They were influenced by, for ministry by somebody. They followed. You know, in my younger days, I was afraid to preach like this. But then Kulile Manj. We've seen too many casualties of these self-appointed rogue prophets who never last even five years. Proper preparation is the only assurance of a leader in functioning effectively for God. Many leaders greatly desire to function effectively, but few, very few, are willing to pay the price of being made ready for the task. And this is why among the people who are commissioning There will still be those that we are assigning for further training. We will not let them lead a church yet because we believe there's still more training. They have what it takes. But we need to just keep them in the oven a little bit longer. I think all of you here should clap more than everybody because you should clap more than... Yeah, maybe you should stand like that, all of you, and just thank the Lord. I'm teasing when I say stand. Don't worry, guys. (laughs) 
Watch this. What's the act of preparation? Write this down. In preparation, number one, you make ready for a special purpose. Ready for a special purpose. You'll note, Bazalana, things that are of greater value oftentimes take longer to manufacture. How shall I hop hop? I don't in English. You don't hop hop it. So the act of preparation means to make ready for special use. Secondly, it means to make suitable. All of us were not suitable for the task. I'm telling you, the longer I've stayed in ministries, the more I thank God that God delayed answering some of my prayers in my younger foolish days. Where I thought I had the capacity for certain things. And when those things came later in my life, I thank God God didn't give them to me then. Because they would have destroyed me. The act of preparation means to make you fit. Number four, to adapt. Number five, to train. Number six, to equip. Number seven, to furnish. I was expecting that. Just came out. He, he didn't plan for it. It escaped his mouth. He realized my say pumile. He couldn't recall it. The act of preparation is to make ready for special purpose, to make suitable, to fit FIT, to adapt, to train, to equip, or to finish. Very interesting that the Greek idea of preparation emphasizes the act of making something ready to function properly. And for that reason, the following synonyms will help us appreciate the full meaning of that word to prepare. Any other synonyms? To provide properly. That's preparation. To foresee problems. Very interesting. To predispose a certain reaction. You know, in, in military warfare, the best way to win a war, if it's a fair one, I'm not talking about what Russia is doing to the Ukrainians. But in fair warfare, when you square up Pantle, the trick is to be able to preempt your enemy. To try and be ahead of them and know what they're about to do. So you prepare yourself before you engage with them. Now in preparation, God helps you in that regard. It means, number four, to rehearse ahead of time. That's preparation. Rehearse ahead of time. That's why in preparation we send people to serve in a department, serve in a cell group, serve in the parking lot, serve in counseling, serve everywhere. Because if you're a pastor who's never served in those things, you will look at pastoring as a position. I always get surprised to see some of these young guys with 11 bodyguards around them. And their church has 20 people. And I'm thinking, Mara, Mara, I could see so it's 20 people, 11 bodyguards. Bye, Yetan. 
o mong o la bible o mong o la di tissue o mong o phumula di eta o mong o phumula mofufutso o mong o mapesa bike they just love that they think ke buruti bo and i hope some of you are not copying those bad habits you've never seen me do any of that don't do that no don't do that it's very disappointing for me when I see people who come from our church do those type of things. 38 years gets us all. I have people, of course, who are with me. They are not my bodyguards. They are just there to account for my whereabouts in case some stupid somebody wants whom ing ing. So I've got an alibi. They were there. I'm humming here to laugh. Even, yeah. If I'm not with my wife and I'm with one of the people who is there, and they make sure, even when we book the hotel rooms, their room is next to mine. Oh. Because there are some crazy people out there who are liars. Who are moved by the spirit of the devil to destroy men of God. Demonic spirits that want to erase an effective ministry. I hope you are learning. That you don't go counsel women in their flat by yourself. Only one. Or give them a lift in your car. It will help you to last in ministry. But see, it's sad. Some of these young guys, when you try to teach them this, they don't listen. And five years down the line, there's issues. Always issues. Always by explain about no There's no need to anything. Just just have protocols around you. All right. The word prepare means to train for a special task. To train for a special task. To educate with special knowledge. Wow. Preparation means to set the groundwork and foundation of something. See, you, 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 the, the, the foundation that you build ministry on is far more important than anything. That's why the foundation of prayer, the word, holiness, integrity, you see, right living, all those things are a foundation. You can't improve on that. You can't improve on that. You can't get better than that. If you don't have that foundation, just forget about being fully used of God. You may be fully used by some other source, but not God. But if you want God to be fully engaged with you, if you want to see God's anointing grow in your life, if you want to see God expand the influence and the footprint of your influence in a godly way, don't cheat on the foundation. There are things that are a commitment. Oh, you do it every day. I know, hunger shortcut. So the word prepare means to set the groundwork and foundation of there's a foundation upon which to build a church. 
to start a new church. You don't start a new church by dividing somebody else's church. You don't start it with lies. You don't start it by bribing people with money. Don't do that. There's a way to start a church. That word prepare means to cultivate to fruitful production. To cultivate to fruitful, fruitful rather, reproduction. The word prepare means to mellow and mature the character of. Something must mature. You must give it time to mature. Give it time to simmer. Give it time to infuse. Give the water and the tea back time to intermingle and interact so that by the time you drink it, you, don't, you can't tell who's who. We give people time to mature and mellow in character. You don't want to send out somebody who's rough around the edges. Well, all the edges are not taken out, but, but they must be mellow enough, matured enough to love God, serve God, to not love money, to not live any moral life. At least that, that's an entry level. To prepare means to arm or fit out with the necessary weapons of warfare. When we prepare people, we show them how you do ministry. How you stand in times of warfare. I hope you are able to see how we tackle an unseen enemy called Corona through prayer. I hope you are able to connect on the Facebook in the morning during prayer. I hope you were able to see days when I was tired, I still led the prayer. I was fluish, I still led the prayer. I still led the prayer. I still led the prayer. I'm hoping some of you are going to learn that the day you lead a church through dark or blue, thick or thin, whether it's raining or it's not raining, you are still a leader, you still lead. And you lead from the front. And you lead with commitment. You lead when you don't feel like it. You lead when you are sick. You lead when you are tired. You lead when you are being criticized. You lead when nobody is logging on. You lead when ESCOM happens and the lights go out. You still lead. You lead. You lead. Want to show people. And ministers not being a nice celebrity who's being served by others. There are times when you have to get down, roll up the sleeve and make the thing work. You don't blame others when it's not working. You've got to lead from the front. You've got to sacrifice what you have. Oh, God. Ah, let me close, Basara. Let me talk about the preparation principle. As we see, number one, in the law of nature. Preparation is stamped upon the world of nature in many different ways. First of all, by instincts, the animals prepare their food for winter. They show it by the discipline of gathering food. When? During the harvest season. When somebody is well prepared, they don't play around. When things are working well, 
You know, I was talking about this with one of my friends and he, he was remarking about some of the people he knew and it was a leadership talk. It wasn't a criticism or whatever. Some people, their ministries worked so well and people gave so much money. They were in a harvest season in the ministry. But instead of using that money to build churches, to buy sites, they used that money to take their living standard 20 notches up. Now, there's nothing wrong in pastor living a comfortable life, good life. Nothing wrong. I don't have issues personally about what car you drive, where you stay. Those are things that people who don't understand talk about. I don't even involve myself in that. Our way is fine. It's okay. The thing, however, is for the person to be responsible and be accountable. And I believe that churches might take good care of their pastors. But having said that, you can't take all the offering of the church and use it on you. And these guys, in the hay, in harvest season, in harvest time, they spent lavishly. Mm. Things that were really not justified. And we forget that there are, t- <laughs> there's lockdown that comes. <laughs> and when you don't have anything in reserve, can lockdown. You see, in preparation, you learn that as you go through the different seasons, you become a wise person. You are not carried by achievement. You don't become big-headed because your ministry is working and you start criticizing other people. You make sure in, ha- in harvest time, in high season, here we are. We are in a season where we see people hungry to serve God. What do we do? We don't let that pass. We train them. We train them. We put them through school. Why is that still hot? Why is they still one of God? You train them. We see that in nature. Animals, by instinct, they prepare in harvest season. So people who haven't learned the law of preparation, they always do the wrong thing all the time. They're out of timing. That's why I say the vrpa, elidi papa vrvr. Look at the neighbor and say, I'm not bishop of the I'm sorry, Bazaran, I don't know where that came from. Maybe you can use it as a tweet. Papa, vr, vr. <laughs> Secondly, the ground is prepared by nature. And even prepared by the farmer to bring forth fruit. We, we're going into, we're into autumn now. Fast approaching winter. Lots of things are going to die out there. And the ground itself naturally is preparing itself. Preparation. The rains and the snow and the sun also, they help prepare the ground for spring. Thirdly, we see how the stones are prepared by nature in the rivers. As they are tossed and turned in the river, they are made very smooth. And some through a process, 
They can be turned into something much more valuable. How coal comes about. How certain minerals come about. is through that long process. Very long process. The same is true, therefore, concerning leadership preparation. We see that in Scripture, that the Bible is full of principles of preparation. And the Word of God talks about them. For instance, to just give you a few, we see how there was a preparation for the habitation of the Lord. A place that God would inhabit, it would be prepared in Exodus 15 too. There's many other scriptures, I'll only give you one. There was a preparation for the offering for the tabernacle of Moses in Numbers 50. There was, an off, there was a preparation also for the people to pass over Jordan in John 1.11. The Bible talks about the preparation of a man's heart to seek God in 1 Samuel 7. There was a preparation of the material for Solomon's temple in 2 Chronicles chapter 2. And then the wise leader writes about the ant who prepares in winter in Proverbs 30. Go to the ant, Vilandin. <laughs> Proverbs 30, 25. We read about the preparation for the way of the Messiah. How even if he's coming and had been prophesied about his coming, there still needed to be preparation. God works with preparation. That's all in Isaiah 40 verse 3. There's the preparation of the Levites in 2 Chronicles 35. There's a preparation of the horse for battle. In Proverbs 21, 31. Paul talks about if we want to be used as an honorable vessel, every man must prepare himself. That's in 2 Timothy 2, verse 20. Hebrews 10, 5 tells us about the preparation of the Messiah's natural body. And oh, this one I love. Revelations 19.7 tells us about the preparation of the bride of Christ. We can see in these scriptures how important the law of preparation is. It's obvious that God is a God of preparation. For that reason, the church greatly needs prepared people, trained spiritual leaders. The church needs those who have been shaped and fired to be formed into godly leaders. And I'm glad today for the privilege we have to do that. And for many of you that God wants to use, God will prepare you. <laughs> Isaiah in Isaiah 49 gives us a picture of preparation. He says, listen, O isles, unto me. How can you people from far? The Lord has called me from the womb. Note. From the bowels of my mother has he made mention of my name. 
And he has made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand has he hid me. Watch. And made me a polished shaft. In the quiver has he hid me. And said unto me, Thou art my servant, O Israel, in whom I'll be glorified. Just a quick comment on that as I'm done. Number one, the Lord called me from the womb. This speaks of a sense of destiny and calling. I don't doubt that many of you, from your youth, somehow, you had a sense in your heart to do something significant with your life, to work for God for some of you. Because all leaders have a sense of destiny and calling, whatever they lead in, wherever they are, whichever sector. I have yet to meet a leader who didn't say they sensed something and they felt something in them. So God calls us from the womb. That's preparation. Number two, it says he makes my mouth like a sharp sword. The Lord makes the leader's mouth like a sharp sword. In other words, when God prepares you as a preacher, he does it. you become a preacher who doesn't bring death to the church. You don't become a leader who says things that are inappropriate. Why? Because we understand that the mouth of leadership must bring the word. It must bring vision. It must bring a sense of purpose. It is careless leaders who don't look at what they say. And they don't take into account how powerful their words are. That when others say it, it might not matter. But when you say it as a leader, can make or break. So God must make our mouth like a sharp sword. Thirdly, in the shadow of his hands as he hit me. This speaks of the veiling of the servant of the Lord during times of preparation. See, God hides you during preparation time. You have to be hidden. You have to be in a shell. You have to be in a cocoon. Because inside that cocoon is an unformed substance. One man who saw one of the, I think it was a butterfly that was still in a shell and it was going through a process of metamorphosis. And being the impatient human that we are, looking at this butterfly rolling, rolling around, struggling around. And he felt, why must it struggle? Why must it take so long? Why must it be rolling? Why must it go through all this challenge? And being the human being that he was, took this shell and opened the shell to try and help the butterfly. Only to his shock, to know that the only part that was formed of the butterfly was the part that was outside the shell. Everything inside the shell was an unformed, jelly-like, gooey substance. And he later learned, when someone educated him, that it is in the rolling around, in the struggling, that the gooey, jelly-like substance becomes hard. And it's through the process of struggle and problem and rolling around and being shaped and being formed that the butterfly realizes its potential. But if you are too much in a hurry and you don't want to go through the process of hiding, God hides his leaders. Because sometimes we think we have what it takes. We don't have it. We're not ready for it. God had to hide Moses. 40 years in Egypt. 40 years in Midian. In preparation to use him. Because if he didn't hide him, it would have aborted the plan of God. 
I pray to God, you don't let some prophet, some of you, prophesy you out of God's hiding place. Because there are some undisciplined prophets who say what God didn't say. They speak when they didn't hear a word from God. They don't let people go through the process of preparation. And the preparation process is not a glamorous process. The servant of the Lord is hidden. Jesus had to be hidden. His parents had to run to Egypt to hide him. Read it. He was hidden. It's only at the right time, when it was the fullness of time, that he was revealed. The process of hiding is an important one. And unfortunately, some people feel that when God is hiding them, that the leaders don't really realize their full potential. And we've seen some leave the church and go out there as an unformed gooey mess and make a mess of their lives. If they had asked, we would have told them. Even if we told them, they were too big-headed to listen. Many people find out when they get on the other side of ministry that it's not as glorious, as glamorous as they thought. They realize that their eloquence and their ability to plan and their ability to organize doesn't cut it when it comes to ministry. It may work in business, it may work in other sectors, but in the ministry, with all of that, the difference is, is God there with you? And if you violate God's processes, and if you disregard God's plan, and if you disregard God's making process, God says, well, I stay here. And many, instead of accepting their foolishness, and do a kumbulekaya. They carry on flogging a dead horse. Or they start criticizing the very church and telling us that they are in a new season. Even these days, it's even better that people can be on social media and say, God no longer needs a building. We can all be on social media because they have several followers. Chwada. But if they were to be honest, they know that ministry didn't work for them. The servant of the Lord is hidden from the eyes of the world, sometimes even from the eyes of the church. Hidden doesn't mean you're not known. Hidden doesn't mean you're not serving everywhere. Hidden means they see you in the parking lot, but they don't realize the Moses that God is raising in the parking lot. Oh! Hidden means you are working with boxes. You are using a box. You are putting things in a box. You are preparing things in a box. But even in that box, in that time of making the box, there's a minister of the gospel that God is brewing inside of you. And finally, God say, it says, he also made me a polished shaft. If the shaft of the arrow is warped and misaligned in any way, it cannot be effective. So what does God do? He brings the leader into a process of alignment. God must align us. So our leaders must submit to the process of alignment. You must have someone who can speak into your life. You know, Zalana, I was telling somebody the other day that I think for me, had it not been that God provided people like the late Horisa Mimtembi, Dr. Elijah Maswanganye, Pastor Ray McCauley, and my friends as well, several friends I have, who helped me with alignment. Yeah? Help you with alignment. What do we want to do, Barcelona? We want to last in ministry. 
we don't want to have a ministry for two years and really, you know, steam saparafin. And we don't stay. We want to last. We want to. Jesus says, I called you that you might have fruit and that your fruit must remain. We don't want to come in. We are here at Salerata for two hours and then we are gone. No. We want to still be there. And I pray that whoever you are as a leader, you will submit to God's preparation process. I pray that you're not going to jump out of the, of the pressure cooker in prematurely. I pray you're not going to kick the oven door open and tell God I'm ready. I hope you're not going to jump out of that shell and think you're ready because there's a lot of you that's not formed yet. And I pray that God will be gracious to us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for being so gracious for being so good. And I know in this message that I've preached, I know it's a leadership message. I know maybe not everybody might identify with it. But in this day, we carry a leadership mandate. I pray for leaders of all sectors because these principles don't only apply in the church. They apply in leadership all across. I know it's a heavy word. I know it's a difficult word. But leaders are not raised in comfort. Leaders are helped to have perspective of the truth and reality. And it's a privilege for us to be in your presence. Our heads bowed, our eyes closed, please. Nobody walking around, nobody living. I want to make a call to you, my sister, my brother, whoever you are, you're here today. As yet, you haven't received Christ as Savior and Lord of your life. And as you've been listening to God's word, you realize that tchew, God is the one who makes leaders, who shapes leaders. You have that potential. You are a leader in the making. Your heart burns with vision. Your heart burns with purpose. But the problem is, you are so disconnected from God. You are walking so far away from God that all that God potentially wants to do through your life cannot be a reality because you are not connected to God. I want to make a call. Our heads bowed, our eyes closed. Even those of you who are live streaming, those of you on Facebook, those of you who are on our church website, those of you on Instagram as well, would you give God a chance in your life? Would you ask Jesus to come into your life and change you, make you a child of God and help you realize the fullness of your potential as a leader? Would you give God that chance? The first step in God shaping us is in making us know him as Savior and Lord of our lives. And this is what I want to ask you. Do you really know Christ as Savior and Lord? Have you invited him to come into your heart and be the savior and Lord of your life? Are you really changed? Are you really a child of God? If you were to pass on, are you sure about your eternal destiny? If you can't answer that question in the affirmative, I think you need to do something about it. I want to give you a chance. Jesus said, come unto me, all you who are heavily laden. He said, I'll give you rest. Jesus wants to give you rest. Wants to give you rest for your soul. 
He wants to change you on the inside. I want to pray for you right now. If that is you and you need the prayer, right where you are, with our heads bowed, our eyes closed, would you just raise your hand and indicate and say, yes, please pray for me. Just raise your hand up. I want to pray for you. Just raise it up right where you are. Let me see it. Thank you so much. Thank you for those hands. Raise them up. I want to invite Jesus Christ in my heart as Savior and Lord of mine. That's good. Raise the hands. Don't be afraid. This is what we do in this church. We do it all the time. This is the place where God takes us broken people, shapes us and molds us into what he wants us to be. Thank you for raising your hands. May I ask all of you who raised your hands, would you please stand on your feet right where you are? You can put the hands down, but just stand on your feet right where you are, please. I'd like to pray for you. Give them a hand, Basalon. This is what it's about. This is what it's about. Yeah, this is what it's about. Only God changes lives. No church can change anybody's life. No pastor can change anybody's life. Only God can do it. Now, please remain standing. Please remain standing. Don't sit back down. Just remain standing, please. Remain standing, everybody. Just remain standing. This is what I want to ask. Some of you, you didn't raise your hand and you didn't stand, but you know in your heart you want to stand, all right? Please look at all these bold people who are standing. Why don't you join them? Just stand right where you are. You know you should stand. You know you should have stood. You know you should have raised your hand. Come on, just join them. Just stand with them. Stand with them. Stand with them. Count me in. Count me in, Bishop. Here I stand. Count me in. All right. Bless you. Now, now, please listen. Some of you, you've brought somebody, a neighbor, a friend, your parents, a child, whoever. You know they should have stood. Maybe about Saba. Maybe about Saba. But just whisper to the boy, I'll stand with you. I'll stand together with you when you stand. All right? And just stand with them. Just stand with them. Hey, give them a chance. Give them a, 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 an encouragement. Come on. Just stand with them. Stand with them. Stand with them wherever you are. Stand with them. Stand with them. They are right at the back. God bless you. Come on. Stand with them. I'll stand with you. I'll stand with you. I, I, I won't. Stand with them. Don't, don't let them stand by themselves. Stand with them. All right. God is about to change somebody's life in this house. Can I hear a good amen? I'm going to invite everybody who's standing. Together with those of you who are standing with somebody, I want you to join them. Take all your belongings. Don't leave any of your belongings behind. Just walk from where you are. Walk all the way to the front. I want to pray for you right here. Give them a big hand as they come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.